Today, Carabao Wow. 90s music war redux as Bristol's massive attack proves too much for Baggy Manx. Joey Bryan finding glory in the box to hand Lee Johnson's wild bunch a semi with top philosophical conundrums. Man City, did they win on penalties or not? Elsewhere, with conditions inclement, Swansea get out Clement after their defeat at Everton. And what's next for the Toffees? Are Chelsea next in line for a big Sam tactic slam? And what else is coming up this weekend in the Premier League? We'll get news from around Europe, Juve Roma, the Clasico, and ahead of El Clasico, a very special guest from Spain. It's all in the Totally Football Show. Today's Totally Football Show features Duncan Alexander. Hello. James Horncastle. Merry Christmas. Michael Cox. Hello. Typical Michael. Typical that we have you in today straight after Man City have a, a League Cup game, which they, I was going to say win on penalties, but how would I describe it? Yeah, they won on penalties is fine. They, they won the tie where they didn't win the game. I think that's the key distinction to make. How is you versus the internet? Where do we stand on that now? Have you won on penalties? What, in the debate? Yes. Well, I kind of thought I did, and then this result happened, and I got a load of uh, messages on Tuesday night from Man City fans. Who, right. Uh, I can't really work out who is winding up who in this debate. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not it, sure. I'm not sure how serious I am. It's just so, a little so bit troubling. So I, I back Michael a thousand percent. Oh, and you're um, from Opta, Duncan. Yeah. So that counts for two thousand percent, if if nothing else. Um, but I, I don't get why City fans have been so. You know. <laughs> They've got quite a lot of good stuff to focus on. It mm. seems a bit churlish to, to worry about whether they've won a game. They've got three to the next round. People don't want to be happy all the time. Don't that they? is true, yeah. They want to the hate shade. Yeah. That's so very true, isn't it? It's very true. That's well, what social media is there for. Fortunate for Man United fans that they, had, they were the wrong end of that cup upset mm. on Wednesday night, though. Proper cup upset as well at Ashton Gate with a pitch invasion and everything, which uh, our, our pal Kelly Cates was forced on Sky to say, oh, well, obviously they're not good things, but you can kind of see fans' point. I mean, you really could, couldn't you? Yeah, it was great. It was like an old old school cup tie, really. And um, I think there was a, a couple of Manchester United fans got on the pitch and there was maybe a couple of scuffles, but nothing really? major. Um, and it just seemed, yeah, it was a fantastic cup tie. I thought Bristol City played really well. Mourinho said afterwards that they rode their luck, but I didn't <laughs> think they did. I thought, thought they created equally, if not better, chances than Manchester United. Mm. And... Um, you know, if you win it with a last-minute goal, it kind of adds an extra 10% was, to the glamour. It was one of those nights where Mourinho went into the press match, post-match press conference as quickly as possible before the journalists got down there, took one question, left. And uh, poor old what Lee Johnson, the Bristol City manager, had bought him a £450 bottle of wine Did he not, that he'd, um, got, he'd, he'd got sent over from Portugal. Yeah. And, of course, Mourinho wasn't there to uh, partake. Right. Well, uh, of course, the bottle of... down the sink. Yeah. Funny line about bottle of expensive reds, because um, they, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> there was an air, I mean, not of luck, because if you hit the post, you've missed the goal. But United, certainly in the first half, came very close to taking control of this game. But two absolutely fabulous goals from the Robins, Joey Bryans, and then the, the, the late goal from Corey Smith, with that beautiful dink pass and chest down. But to Joey Bryans, that was fantastic. Uh, Nakul Pandey says best goal scored by a championship side against Man United in the League Cup Joe Bryan last night or Darren Ambrose in 2011 do you remember this one yeah Ambrose's was really special mm. long way out top 40 corner. yards yeah I'd go yeah. for I'd go for Ambrose's over that to be right. honest anyway it was a it was absolutely terrific night uh, so much we could say about Bristol City who, who've been on this extraordinary run I mean this is their fourth as you undoubtedly know Duncan their mm. fourth Premier League scalp in a row in, in the League Cup. Yeah, they've beaten more Premier League teams than this season than West Brom and Swansea have. 
decent. Um, I thought Mourinho, rare double combo of being of saying the opposition were lucky and criticising his own players, mm. which is quite a rare thing to do. For some of us, it was one more day in the office, probably a day for some of them they didn't even want to come to the office. Mm. But I want to stress that I'm not just saying that the other team were lucky. Yeah. Then repeated six times. I also find it slightly strange that there seemed to be a, a line from some United fans saying that uh, you know Bristol City, um, you know, don't get many fans. You know, they're, they're a very passionate fan base. It's mm. Anyone who's, who's been away to Bristol City with any team knows that it's a it's a tough place to go. Have you been down there? Don't I you? have been down there. Yeah, right. um, and was was barged by Bristol City fans. Were you yeah. mercilessly? Yeah, well, you know, gently but but roughly at the same time. But right, uh, brusquely. Brusquely, yeah, very much so. Um, but I've got over it. Um, but yeah, this kind of idea that you know, I think Phil Neville said that the the you know the fans were there to see Man United. Yeah, that, that was an, a strange line, which I, I think was one of those. You know what it's like when you have a mic in front of you, and sometimes the words just come out without. You know, I'm not sure if he, in the cold light of day, would necessarily. Yeah. Bat that. But I think up. they came to see Bristol City. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly turned on to watch Bristol City. I was. Uh, royally rewarded uh, for my time and they're not just on a great run in the in the cup they've also won their the last four league games now the last time this is interesting i think so anyway uh, the last time they won five in a row in the second tier was january february 2009 and that was under lee johnson's dad yeah gary johnson mm. yeah and the um the season before that they got very close to promotion to the premier league they mm. lost in the uh, playoff final um, to a uh, Dean Windus goal, and they, they've kind of slipped away from that. But it's a it's a, a big city, Bristol, um, that hasn't had a top flight club for many a year. So it'd be nice if they pushed on and progressed to the uh, the Premier League. I actually went to um, went to university down in Bristol, and Did all my exams that? were at Ashton Gate. How and, do you mean? Uh, well, it, no, no, no. Well, in the in the stand, it was converted into a exam hall. Right, and I also. What finished... exam were you taking? Was it a tactical exam? What? No, no, no. It was you know it was my end of uh, end of university. What exam. did you study, Michael? Well, it wasn't anything to do with football. It was politics. Okay, but uh, I ended with a glorious two one as well. So ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, oh, uh, Bristol City are at QPR, uh, looking to see if they can match that five in a row under Gary Johnson back in two thousand and nine. Uh, Phil Wheatley asked the big question, can the Robins shock Man City as their fifth Premier League scalp of the year? Of course, those League Cup semi-finals, when will they be? January. Is it January? Mm. OK. But I think the fact it's going to be over two legs is going to make it mm. possibly too hard for them. But... All right. OK, the other semi-final, we'll see Arsenal taking on Chelsea after Chelsea's injury-time winner from Morata, a couple of delicious back-heel assists in, in, in that game with Bournemouth, uh, saw the, the, the Cherries... Uh, knocked out. Morata, though, suspended for excessive celebration, apparently. What did he do? Well, I couldn't quite see what happened. First, he, he scored, and then he immediately went to get the ball and did the ball under the shirt because his wife's uh, recently announced she's pregnant. And then he kind of went close to the fans, which sometimes gets your booking. And then there was a suspicion he kicked the ball away afterwards. So I'm not quite sure what part of his celebration was excessive, but I guess if there are three parts, then maybe it was. variety pack of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Arsenal, uh, meanwhile... It was, uh, it was Danny Welbeck shinned one in <laughs> against uh, West, West Ham. Ham. And they're also going to have one or two absences this weekend because I think Coquelin and Giroud both picked up injuries. I didn't see that game. 
Yeah, it was a really kind of unspectacular 1-0 win. I think the Giroud absence is quite a big blow for Arsenal. You look at what happened uh, with Giroud last season. don't think he started the first 19, 20 league games of the season. But when Wenger needed to rotate over Christmas, he mm. came into the side, scored a goal, retained his place, couldn't stop scoring. Um, so if there's ever a point in the year where you do need your backup striker, it's over Christmas. So right. that's quite a poorly been, timed injury. He's also been an excellent kind of card to have up your sleeve late in games because he's been yeah. a brilliant impact sub for them. So a bit of a blow. Won't be available this Friday night when Arsenal will be hosting the incredible winning on the road machine that is Liverpool. Mm. That's a match we'll be talking about after this. Man United take on Leicester this weekend. And do you remember those heady days when Louis van Gaal took his Red Devils to the King Power Stadium in 2014? That's right, Robin van Persie and Angel Di Maria scored two quick goals against Nigel Pearson's Foxes, but Man United still ended up losing 5-3. Well, with two up from Paddy Power, you can back any team in the Premier League or La Liga to win, and if they go two goals up, Paddy will pay out immediately as a winner, even if that team ends up losing. Head to paddypower.com to find out more. T's and C's apply, win, draw, win, singles only, exclude shop and cash out bet, 18 plus only, be gamblerware.org, and when the fun stops, stop. Arsenal taking on Liverpool Friday night. One of two London Merseyside clashes coming up in... Uh, match day 19 of this Premier League season. The other one being equally or possibly perhaps even more interesting than that one, which is Everton. Chelsea, Everton, Everton who come in fresh from that uh, come-from-behind win against Swansea on Monday night, which of course had big repercussions down in South Wales with Paul Clement on uh, Wednesday being let go. Is there any particular reason why they've they've gone from being such a paragon of a well-run, a smaller but well-run club to being a a kind of basket case that every year without fail fires its manager for Christmas? Well, I think um, you could go back to the takeover where th- that club had a very strong identity up until that point. They were very proud about the model on which they were run upon with Hugh Jenkins and the significant percentage of the fans being involved in uh, in decision-making. And that does seem to have changed. And they, they seem to have... I wouldn't say they've tried to consciously move away in the same way that we've seen Palace try and basically play a much more kind of expansive time of game and and become an established, not only mid-table club, but something that can compete in Europe uh, for a European place. But I think some of the decisions that have been made since the the new owners have come in have led Swansea to move away from what what got them into the, the Premier League in the first place. And as we were saying, have had a very clear identity compared with some of the other clubs that have come up from the Championship. Is there anything, do you think, that will, will, will change their fate this season? Yeah, I mean, if they buy a couple of good players in the in the January transfer window. Okay. Defending is generally about the collective and attacking is more about the individuals and they don't have the good individuals. I agree with James about the system and how they've gone away from that model. I think the slight caveat to that is they came up at a time when possession football was kind of big. And I think over the last few years, we've seen managers respond to that and sit deeper and play more on the counter-attack. And a couple of seasons ago, when they were still playing possession football, a little bit around the time when Van Gaal was at Manchester United and there was a similar emphasis upon keeping the ball and no penetration, I did just think you maybe need to move away from this a little bit. OK, anyway, they're taking on Chris... Today, Carabao Wow. 90s music wall redux as Bristol's massive attack proves too much for Baggy Manx. Joey Bryan finding glory in the box to hand Lee Johnson's wild bunch a semi with top philosophical conundrums. Man City, did they win on penalties or not? Elsewhere, with conditions inclement, 
Swansea get out, Clement, after their defeat at Everton. And what's next for the Toffees? Are oh, Chelsea next in line for a big Sam tactic slam? And what else is coming up this weekend in the Premier League? We'll get news from around Europe, Juve Roma, the Clasico, and ahead of El Clasico, a very special guest from Spain. It's all in the Totally Football Show. Today's Totally Football Show features Duncan Alexander. Hello. James Horncastle. Merry Christmas. Michael Cox. Hello. Typical Michael. Typical that we have you in today straight after Man City have a, a League Cup game, which they, I was going to say win on penalties, but how would I describe it? Yeah, they won on penalties is fine. They, they won the tie where they didn't win the game. I think that's the key distinction to make. How is you versus the internet? Where do we stand on that now? Have you won on penalties? What, in the debate? Yes. Well, I kind of thought I did, and then this result happened, and I got a load of uh, messages on Tuesday night from Man City fans. Who, right. uh, I can't really work out who is winding up who in this debate. Yeah, like, I, I'm not it, sure. I'm not sure how serious I am. It's just so, a bit so troubling. I, I back Michael a thousand percent. Oh, and you're um, from Opta, Duncan. Yeah, so that counts for two thousand percent, if if nothing else. Um, but I, I don't get why City fans have been so. You know. <laughs> They've got quite a lot of good stuff to focus on. It seems mm. a bit churlish to, to worry about whether they've won a game. They've got three to the next round. People don't want to be happy all the time. Don't that they? is true, yeah. They want the light hate. and shade. Yeah. That's so very true, isn't it? It's very true. That's well, what social media is there for. Fortunate for Man United fans that they, had, they were the wrong end of that cup upset mm. on Wednesday night, though. Proper cup upset as well at Ashton Gate with a pitch invasion and everything, which uh, our, our pal Kelly Cates was forced on Sky to say, oh, well, obviously they're not good things, but you can kind of see fans' point. I mean, you really could, couldn't you? Yeah, it was great. It was like an old old school cup tie, really. And um, I think there was a couple of Manchester United fans got on the pitch and there was maybe a couple of scuffles, but nothing really? major. Um, and it just seemed, yeah, it was a fantastic cup tie. I thought Bristol City played really well. Mourinho said afterwards that they rode their luck, but I didn't <laughs> think they did. I thought, thought they created equally, if not better, chances than Manchester United. Mm. And... Um, you know, if you win it with a last-minute goal, it kind of adds an extra 10% was, to the glamour. It was one of those nights where Mourinho went into the press match, post-match press conference as quickly as possible before the journalists got down there, took one question, left. And uh, poor old what, Lee Johnson, the Bristol City manager, had bought him a £450 bottle of wine Did he not, that he'd, um, got, he'd, he'd got sent over from Portugal. Yeah. And, of course, Mourinho wasn't there to uh, partake. Right. Well, uh, of course, the bottle of... down the sink. Yeah. I was just, I was gonna, funny line about bottle of expensive reds. Because um, they... Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> there was an air... I mean, not of luck, because if you hit the post, you've missed the goal. But United, certainly in the first half, came very close to taking control of this game. But two absolutely fabulous goals from the Robins. Joey Bryans and then the, the, the late goal from Corey Smith with that beautiful dink pass and chest down. But to Joey Bryans, that was fantastic. Uh, Nakul Pandey says, a best goal scored by a championship side against Man United in the League Cup, Joe Bryan last night or Darren Ambrose in 2011. Do you remember this one? Yeah, Ambrose's was really special. Mm. Long way out. Top 40 corner. yards. Yeah, I'd go, yeah. For, I'd go for Ambrose's over that, to right. be honest. Anyway, it was a, it was absolutely terrific night. Uh, so much we could say about Bristol City, who, who've been on this extraordinary run. I mean, this is their fourth, as you undoubtedly know, Duncan, their mm. fourth Premier League scalp in a row in, in the League Cup. Yeah, they've beaten more Premier League teams than this season than West Brom and Swansea have. <laughs> Decent. Um, I thought Mourinho, rare double combo of being of saying the opposition were lucky and criticising his own players, mm. which is quite a rare thing to do. For some of us, it was one more day in the office, probably a day for some of them they didn't even want to come to the office. Mm. But I want to stress that I'm not just saying that the other team were lucky. Yeah. Then repeated six times. I also find it slightly strange that 
there seemed to be a, a line from some United fans saying that, uh, you know, Bristol City, um, you know, don't get many fans. You know, they're, they're a very passionate fan base. Mm. Anyone who's, who's been away to Bristol City with any team knows that it's a, it's a tough place to go. Have you been down there, don't I you? have been down there, yeah, right. um, and was, was barged by Bristol City fans. Were you? Yeah. Mercilessly? Yeah, well, you know, gently, but, but roughly at the same time. But, right, uh, brusquely. I've, Brusquely, yeah, very much so. Um, but I've got over it. Um, but yeah, this kind of idea that you know, I think Phil Neville said that the the you know the fans were there to see Man United. Yeah, that, that was an, a strange line, which <laughs> I, I think was one of those. You know what it's like when you have a mic in front of you, and sometimes the words just come out without. You know, I, I'm not sure if he, in the cold light of day, would necessarily. Yeah. Bat that but I up. think they came to see Bristol City. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly turned on to watch Bristol City. I was. Uh, Royally rewarded uh, for my time, and they're not just on a great run in the in the cup. They've also won their the last four league games. Now the last time this is interesting, I think so anyway. Uh, the last time they won five in a row in the second tier was January February two thousand and nine, and that was under Lee Johnson's dad. Yeah, Gary Johnson. Mm. Yeah, and the um, the season before that they got very close to promotion to the Premier League. They mm. lost in the. Uh, playoff final um, to a uh, Dean Windus goal, and they, they've kind of slipped away from that. But it's a it's a, a big city, Bristol, um, that hasn't had a top flight club for many a year. So it'd be nice if they pushed on and progressed to the uh, the Premier League. I actually went to um, went to university down in Bristol, and Did all my exams were at Ashton Gate. How and, do you mean? Uh, well, it, no, no, no. Well, in the in the stand, it was converted into a exam hall. Right, and I also. What finished... exam were you taking? Was it a tactical exam? What? No, no, no. It was you know it was my end of uh, end of university. What exam. did you study, Michael? Well, it wasn't anything to do with football. It was politics. Okay, but uh, I ended with a glorious two one as well. So ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, oh, uh, Bristol City are at QPR, uh, looking to see if they can match that five in a row under Gary Johnson back in two thousand and nine. Uh, Phil Wheatley asked the big question, can the Robins shock Man City as their fifth Premier League scalp of the year? Of course, those League Cup semi-finals, when will they be? January. Is it January? Mm. OK. But I think the fact it's going to be over two legs is going to make it mm. possibly too hard for them. But... All right. OK, the other semi-final, we'll see Arsenal taking on Chelsea after Chelsea's injury-time winner from Morata, a couple of delicious back-heel assists in, in, in that game with Bournemouth, uh, saw the, the, the Cherries... Uh, knocked out. Morata, though, suspended for excessive celebration, apparently. What did he do? Well, I couldn't quite see what happened. First, he, he scored, and then he immediately went to get the ball and did the ball under the shirt because his wife's uh, recently announced she's pregnant. And then he kind of went close to the fans, which sometimes gets your booking. And then there was a suspicion he kicked the ball away afterwards. So I'm not quite sure what part of the celebration was excessive, but I guess if there are three parts, then maybe it was. variety pack of uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Arsenal, uh, meanwhile... It was, uh, it was Danny Welbeck shinned one in <laughs> against uh, West, West Ham. Ham. And they're also going to have one or two absences this weekend because I think Coquelin and Giroud both picked up injuries. I didn't see that game. Yeah, it was a really kind of unspectacular 1-0 win. I think the Giroud absence is quite a big blow for Arsenal. You look at what happened uh, with Giroud last season. I don't think he started the first 19, 20 league games of the season. But when Wenger needed to rotate over Christmas, he came into the side, scored a goal, retained his place, couldn't stop scoring. Um, so if there's ever a point in the year where you do need your backup striker, it's over Christmas. So right. and that's quite a poorly been, timed injury. He's also been an excellent kind of card to have up your sleeve late in games because he's been yeah. a brilliant impact sub for them. So a bit of a blow. Won't be available this Friday night when Arsenal will be hosting the incredible 
winning on the road machine that is Liverpool. Mm. That's a match we'll be talking about after this. Man United take on Leicester this weekend. And do you remember those heady days when Louis van Gaal took his Red Devils to the King Power Stadium in 2014? That's right, Robin van Persie and Angel Di Maria scored two quick goals against Nigel Pearson's Foxes, but Man United still ended up losing 5-3. Well, with two up from Paddy Power, you can back any team in the Premier League or La Liga to win, and if they go two goals up, Paddy will pay out immediately as a winner, even if that team ends up losing. Head to paddypower.com to find out more. T's and C's apply. Win, draw, win, singles only. Exclude shop and cash out bet. 18 plus only. Be gambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. Arsenal taking on Liverpool Friday night. One of two London Merseyside clashes coming up in uh, match day 19 of this Premier League season. The other one being equally or possibly perhaps even more interesting than that one, which is Everton. Chelsea Everton... Everton, who come in fresh from that uh, come-from-behind win against Swansea on Monday night, which, of course, had big repercussions down in South Wales, with Paul Clement on uh, Wednesday being let go. Is there any particular reason why they've they've gone from being such a paragon of a well-run, a smaller but well-run club, to being a, a kind of basket case that every year without fail fires its manager for Christmas? Well, I think um, you could go back to the takeover where that club had a very strong identity up until that point they were very proud about the model on which they were run upon with Hugh Jenkins and the significant percentage of the fans being involved in uh, in decision making and that does seem to have changed and they, they seem to have I wouldn't say they've tried to consciously move away in the same way that we've seen Palace try and basically play a much more kind of expansive time of game and and become an established not only mid-table club but something that can compete in Europe for a European place. But I think some of the decisions that have been made yeah, since those new, that the, the new owners have come in have led Swansea to move away from what, what got them into the, the Premier League in the first place. And as we were saying, have had a very clear identity compared with some of the other clubs that have come up from the Championship. Is there anything, do you think, that will, will, will change their fate this season? Yeah, I mean, if they buy a couple of good players in the in the January transfer window. Okay. Defending is generally about the collective and attacking is more about the individuals and they don't have the good individuals. I agree with James about the system and how they've gone away from that model. I think the slight caveat to that is they came up at a time when possession football was kind of big. And I think over the last few years, we've seen managers respond to that and sit deeper and play more on the counter-attack. And a couple of seasons ago, when they were still playing possession football... A little bit around the time when Van Gaal was at Manchester United and there was a similar emphasis upon keeping the ball and no penetration. I did just think you maybe need to move away from this a little bit. OK, anyway, they're taking on Crystal Palace this weekend. As for Everton, as I mentioned, they got Chelsea. So my big question is, is Conte set to be the next manager to get handed down a little bit of a lesson from, from Big Sam? I don't think so. I think Chelsea will still win this game. Uh, Morata's absence is a big blow because Conte still doesn't trust uh, Batshuayi at mm. all. You know, his backup plan when Morata's out is playing Hazard up front. I think Hazard's still a very good player there. I'm not sure it's quite his best position. But uh, I, yeah, I think Chelsea will have too much. I think Chelsea is still a really good team. They've almost maybe gone under the radar as a little bit of a, a silly expression. But, you know, you look at their points total. Over two points per game so far by this stage. It's a really good record and they're, right. they're still just a very good team. Everton have lost their last three Premier League games against Chelsea by an aggregate score of 10 goals to nil. And yet I'm surprised that you're so confident over Chelsea's chances because Allardyce's record there, what is it, five games, four wins, and the only points dropped that that, that uh, draw in, in, in the derby. 
Yeah, I mean, he's won his last two games as manager against Chelsea, I think. Mm. And he's and if he wins this time, he'll be the first manager to beat them with five different clubs. That's so, it, that, that is the stat. That is big Sam, TM. <laughs> I do think Morata will be a big miss because where he's made a, a great impact at Chelsea since he joined in the summer is on the road. Um, yeah, he's seven. He's, he's been involved in seven goals in his last seven away games. Exactly, and you know, as Michael was saying, I think you know we saw Bashway get a chance again in the League Cup in midweek against Bournemouth, and just didn't really look at it. I think part of that because he's still got a bit of a problem with his ankle. But yeah, just there isn't doesn't seem to be the trust there that. Uh, well, Conte's just never been able to trust him, really. No, oh, but then you've got so many goals out of midfield with yeah. William and Hazard and, and all the rest of their merry crew. Just on Morata, personally, I don't think that bookings in the League Cup should count towards no. uh, league yeah. suspension. It's a domestic, co- uh, sorry, it's a different competition, both domestic, but it means that if your team goes further in the competition, there's just more chance of you missing games, which right. seems almost a disincentive considering or, how much emphasis people put on the league. Or you can do a sneaky one like a certain Chelsea defender did last weekend, <laughs> get themselves booked for time-wasting because they were on four yellow cards, miss the League Cup game, and bingo, you're fresh back for the weekend. And Murata's also made a schoolboy error because if, if he waited one more game, then he'd get Boxing Day off, wouldn't he? And he could <laughs> have a nice Christmas day. Yeah. Kevin Nolan special, as it's known. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Well, anyway, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess, Michael. I think also we should mention Rooney. I mean, of who course. had Rooney to score 10 uh, league goals before Christmas? Um, not many. But what, he, were his, what was his XG at the start of the season? Um, does it work like that? It doesn't no. really work like that, no. <laughs> but, but he's converting... But surely I could expect him to score well, a certain number We all of goals. expect Rooney to score, don't we? Uh, or not. Um, but, you know, he's converting goals this season at a rate, you know, his best rate. Whereas last season was his worst, so it's, it's genuine. It's I think I feel very much like he's in his you know late David Bowie period style, where he, he's becoming he's going to become a national treasure again. Um, yeah, that could happen. Although I have to say, nothing about his goals uh, on uh, Monday night against Swansea particularly left you feeling <laughs> wow. He's a player back at the top of his game. Uh, he's got to get you know World Cup glory awaits. Yeah, well you know a, bit, a wonderful third act. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Uh, now. Arsenal taking on Liverpool on Friday night. There's some strange fixture scheduling this weekend. Friday night, Arsenal-Liverpool. And when are Man United playing? Saturday, uh, 7.45, the first Saturday evening game. Wow. Which is surely just a one-off. No way they're going to be... That's just because of Christmas. Well, it will become a... Yeah, this season, yes, but it will become a fixture from next season. Oh, my Um, word. It's also slightly annoying that um, this is the repeat of the opening day fixtures. But it's on match day 19, so it's before yeah. everyone's played everyone. Yeah. Now they're repeating again. Very confusing for Continentals. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, OK, and we were going to talk about Arsenal-Liverpool, but there are a number of quirks about the English approach to football and regulations that just don't make any sense to anyone who follows. You actually just mentioned one, this business of getting suspensions in the League Cup and then applying to the Premier League. In Italy, that certainly doesn't work that way. If you're booked mm. on the Coppa Italia, you serve your, your suspension in the Coppa Italia, much as you would say in the Champions League. And think. Equally, we know about the, the loan system, whereby if I loan you a player, only in the Premier League are you not allowed to then use that player against me. And, and here's, here's another one. Yeah, and actually on the um, bookings in cup games, mm. it really, like, genuinely really annoyed me that uh, Paul Pogba had to wait to make his Manchester United debut because he'd got... Uh, two bookings in the previous season's Coppa Italia. So it was decided that because he wouldn't play in the Coppa Italia again, mm. he'd have to serve in the Premier League. What's the point in that? Just let just let the footballers play. People want to see the footballers play. If there's a really obvious reason, if there's a suspension for violent conduct or whatever, fine. Yep. But in, in this kind of 
nonsense. Just, just, I, it doesn't, I'm not it, sure what I, I, it improves. There's a real Brexit undercurrent to this conversation. Just, no, I don't think so. Yeah, it's pointless but, bureaucracy. <laughs> it literally is. The, the other one, it's a, most uh, self-respecting leagues run the fixtures in, in a kind of mirror, not mirror image, but they repeat. Yeah. You do it yeah, once an and exact, you do it. Yeah. yeah. And I never quite understood why it doesn't happen that way in this country. No, they? there was a particularly the season uh, two thousand four or five when Arsenal were you know obviously extending their their forty nine game uh, or trying to get to the forty nine games. They um, basically were due to play Chelsea, and that fixture got switched. The, the Middlesbrough game, I think it was, um, and the one five three. So there was some strange fixture machinations going Ooh. on there. But right. yeah, it, it is strange. Another one, I think I'm right in this. Back in the eighties and before, if you were sent off for your club, you weren't allowed to be called up for the international team. Is that right? There's an un- unwritten yes. rule in Italy that somebody who's who's suspended can't be called up, but it's been a little bit fudged over the years. Hasn't it? Yeah, that was the so-called ethical code that Cesare Prandelli brought in, but was swiftly dispatched with when you know. I mean, when you have a star player at that time like they did, who was Mario Balotelli, who basically gets sent <laughs> off every weekend. You know. Also, in the in the nineties in the Premier League, um, if you got sent off, you wouldn't be suspended immediately, would you? You'd play no, the next game you, and then you'd have to wait for mm, the paperwork two to be weeks. sent through. So basically, yeah, exactly. so there is, I think, Thomas Repka got sent off in consecutive games because obviously <laughs> he, he wasn't yet serving his suspension for the first red card, which is genuinely impressive. Of course, there are things that English football does far better than than any of these these continental leagues, air quotes. Um, and, and one of them is, is the Christmas fixtures, which is precisely why everybody's jumping on that bandwagon at the moment. Serie A playing right into January before it takes its, its winter break. Yeah. And a whole raft of Coppa Italia fixtures. We'll talk about those later. Arsenal-Liverpool. Let's talk about that. Liverpool, incredible run of form. Duncan, give us the stat about... They're scoring away from home? So they've won the last four uh, away games by three or more goals. First time that's ever happened in top flight football, which is good. Um, and obviously in Premier League or top, or top flight, flight ever? Yeah, so obviously they can extend that. They've obviously got a really good record recently against Arsenal. Um, mm. Arsenal, you know, uh, probably a, a good setup for, for Klopp's team to play. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, they look like... I mean, basically they lost 4-1 to Tottenham um, and since then... They've considered the fewer shots on target in the Premier League. Right. This is the thing. I mean, the goal scoring is impressive, but almost the more impressive thing is the goals that they're not conceding because it's it's really dried up. They've they've conceded just one in their last three on the road, mm. which yeah. given that that was the big issue about them before. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it's it's funny how you know that if they make a, if they have a bad defensive performance over Christmas, everyone will be like, oh, Liverpool's defence is bad. But mm. you but it kind of goes under the radar when a team. Does you know goes against what people think? Um, is, is it just because they've had easier fixtures? Yeah, possibly, but they've also they definitely have tightened up. Um, and you know, Klopp's been rotating players, which he was criticised for uh, last season. They've, Liverpool have made way more um, lineup changes than any other team yeah. in the Premier League. Um, and you know, theoretically, they should see a benefit of that uh, during Christmas. We certainly year. don't have any issues with his lineup changes here <laughs> on, the, on the Totally Football Show. Um, yeah, in their last six in all competitions, they've only conceded twice. Both of them penalties. I mean, those are still goals, but penalties. Uh, Arsenal, by contrast, have netted only twice in their last three league games, despite having sixty-four shots. <laughs> That's astonishing. Can that be true, Duncan? It is true. It sixty-four is true. shots, but two goals. Mm. In three games, why? Well, bad form. I don't know. That's a bit... Their xG is is uh, is good, right? But their g is not good. Thanks for that explanation, <laughs> Michael. Help me out here. Why? 
I think overall they've just played quite badly the last three games. I'm not sure it's necessarily been about the missing guilt edge chances. All right. um, they were very poor away at Southampton. Could have been 2 or 3-0 down in the first 10 minutes. West Ham, they struggled with any penetration against a side sitting deep. And then I was at the game against Newcastle last week and aside from that wonderful Ozil goal, they were really flat and I, th- I thought it was as much about the poor passing in midfield as it was about the um, the play in the final third. I do fear for Arsenal this weekend actually because... You know, you look at the reverse fixture, the 4-0 defeat. That's as bad as I've ever seen Arsenal play under Arsene Wenger. And I'm not sure they're the type of team who who learns lessons from defeat. I think they tend to do the same thing again and again. And I look at them defensively. They've got this question at at left-back where they've been playing Ainsley Maitland-Niles there. Really promising young player, but a right-footed attacking midfielder. Surely he won't start against Salah because, I mean, that will just be terrifying for him. Um, On the other side, Hector Bellerin... I'm a really big fan of, but he looks exhausted at the moment. He hasn't missed a minute all season. And he's going to be up against Sadio Mane, who might be the quickest attacker in the Premier League. Mane was rested in Liverpool's last fixture as well. Yeah, yes. I think the, the worrying thing for Arsenal is that Liverpool's best players, um, who have been at the club before this season, so Mane, Firmino, they always seem to raise their game and have a lot of fun when they play against Arsenal. And you know, to go back to your question about you know, what's been eating Arsenal kind of up front... I think when they close their eyes, they still see David De Gea because, you know, we saw Arsene Wenger talking about they had a hangover after that game just because they created so much and didn't get what they deserved out of it. And, yeah, for whatever, for whatever reason, that, uh, that seems to have been a little bit of a mental block for them. Arsenal-Liverpool coming up anyway on Friday night. Loads more to look forward to in this totally football show. After this, we're going to be hearing from another bookmaker. That's right. It's a man who wrote a book. Guillaume Balaguet. Guillaume, are you there? James, I'm here. Ah, you're there. Excellent. Yeah, I'm well. You're in Madrid. Where are you in Madrid? Uh, In a in a hotel room right now. Ah. In uh, the Opera Square. Mm. uh, About to go to see. Do you know La Liga have got ambassadors? This is uh, very rich people that become a little bit richer uh, because the La Liga decides to pay them to represent them. Oh. So I'm, I think I'm meeting Canute. You, might, you must remember him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Morientes, Puyol, and all these people. Because right. all that is preparations to the Clásico, of course. Right, which is coming up this weekend. Uh, just And what a time for it to happen. Real Madrid returning uh, to the Spanish capital with more world titles than Brazil. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? It's the first time in history, though, that they won five titles in the same year. Uh, we talk about Barcelona and Real Madrid like these two clubs that won absolutely everything all the time, but uh, they keep breaking records. And and yes, it's a, it's a year where uh, they've been uh, they've been very good at everything. Uh, last season, of course, they were good in the long run. That is La Liga. And then when they had to meet the shorter competitions, they were also good. This one, they seem a little bit behind. Well, they are a bit behind. 11 points from Barcelona in the league. And seem more focused in the, uh, in the finals and in the, in the shorter competitions. It, generally, uh, if you look at the uh, history of Florentino Perez at the club, this is what Real Madrid are better at. Not so much the leagues, more about the Champions Leagues and, and, and the Intercontinentals and so on that they won so many with uh, and, and the Florentino. I did enjoy uh, Marcus' headline on uh, Monday morning. The world is too small for them. <laughs> that, was that a fair translation? In the month yeah, of- it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Marca, of course, uh, selling newspapers to Ramadi fans. So, so yeah, it, it sounds it sounds about right. And how, they, but it sounds like what they think of themselves. They've got no 
uh, hesitation and in in being uh, or in believing they are at the forefront of absolutely everything. Best club in the 20th century. That was a FIFA award, which uh, it's uh, proudly next to the uh, Champions League, the 12 Champions Leagues that they won. So, you ha- yeah, we have to be talking about the best club uh, in the world. Mm. They weren't the best club in their Champions League group, of course, with uh, with, with Spurs, but it, we'll, we'll skip past that. Uh, next up uh, from the rest of the world, there's Barcelona, as you mentioned, 11 points clear. And worryingly, from Real Madrid's point of view, s- strong signs uh, that Barcelona and, and Suarez in particular are waking up um, a 4-0 win against uh, Deportivo last weekend. Yes, Luis Suarez has been scoring in the last four games, but so have Cristiano in the last five, so they seem to be... One glory or the big games, uh, when 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 the you know the attention of the world comes to them, they they all seem to wake up. Yes, Luis Suarez looks sharper than he has been for a while, and Barcelona have not lost in 25 games, but uh, that doesn't stop everybody uh, finding a lot of weaknesses to uh, to this Barcelona. A lot of them actually. What's the weakness then, uh, Guillaume? Well, not the defence, not really the attack. No, Messi's doing well. People start digging deep, and what they see is things like the, the Barcelona do not control the games as well as they used to. If Iniesta is not there, there's a lack of creativity in midfield. The fact that they don't have width in the attack, because normally they play now with 4-4-2 some of the time, means that uh, it's only the full-backs are in the width, and, uh, and that means that it's easier to defend. There's more players around Luis Suarez, for instance, or Messi. And uh, and if Messi don't score, the, the team has been struggling. Although I said, as I said, Luis Suarez seems to have found the back of the net a little bit more. So it looks like um, instead of getting a Dembélé or, or I don't know, or a Delofeu playing, Delofeu is not on good form. Dembélé, of course, is injured. They will add Paulinho to the team. And that tells you a little bit uh, that this Barcelona are very hard workers, Defend very well, attacking compact ways as well. So when they lose the ball, they can recover it. But it's not bright football. It's not brilliant football, uh, the kind of football we've been used to. Sure. 11 points clear of Real Madrid. Five points clear of Valencia in second place. Six from Atletico Madrid. If they win this, is that it for the title, Guillermo? Or do you think that Atleti or, or Valencia could mount a serious challenge? I, I honestly believe that uh, if Barcelona beat Real Madrid at the Bernabeu and let me say in brackets, when the, the, the Clásicos tend to be won by the team that needs the points the most, uh, not so much the form in the league, but say the Barcelona win, they get the three points. What The only thing it means is that the Real Madrid are out of it. But Valencia struggled to uh, maintain the form. I, I went to see them when they were doing really, really well. And uh, I spoke to Gabriel and to the centre-back and, the, and Marcelino. The, the, the coach, and they both said the same. Look, if we put a firework up the bum of some of the youngsters, we may have a chance of actually competing until the end. That is, if there is no suspensions, no injuries, our, our squad is not very deep. So I thought, a lot, of, a lot of reasons not to back Valencia. Mm. But, um, but Atletico Madrid is a different story. Uh, they, they have been struggling at the beginning of the season, too many draws, not so much defeats. But now you've got a Griezmann that... Uh, after that conversation, I don't know if you remember the Madrid derby, nil-nil. Uh, Griezmann was replaced uh, when the, 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 he had only touched the ball or gave 12 passes in the whole game. There was a meeting and uh, Atletico Madrid said to Griezmann, look, stop flirting with everybody and focus on the thing in hand. We'll see in the summer. And he said, OK, but under the condition that you have to put me another striker next to me because on my own, as I was in the Madrid derby, it just doesn't work. Well, that, that 
means that uh, those those two things were applied, and uh, you've seen a much better Atletico Madrid, a much better Griezmann, and uh, and generally an Atletico Madrid that should compete for the league against this Barcelona. Ah, but is he still flirting though? Because there's been an awful lot of talk about, say, Barcelona. I'm not sure what the the Spanish equivalent of tapping up would be, sort of tapassing up or something like that. <laughs> well, just flirting. Yes, just flirting. no. Uh, basically, the situation is Barcelona one Griezmann next season. Right. They think they've convinced him to go to Barcelona next season. As part of that job, they sat down, not so much with Griezmann, but with Griezmann's sister and with Griezmann's parents. Uh, sister is because uh, she runs his businesses and affairs and a little bit. He hasn't got an agent, but she does that kind of work. So they did, they did that. The president of Barcelona and the CEO of Barcelona did that with uh, with the family of Griezmann. So Atletico Madrid got a little bit upset and said, you know, you're not supposed to do that and we're going to tell FIFA. And uh, they did exactly that, but doesn't mean that they will not negotiate with, with Barcelona. Uh, of course, Manchester United are waiting to see what happens. But uh, at the moment, Barcelona feel that they are the forefront of that one. But of course, Atletico Madrid should be upset because this league will be competed possibly by Atletico Madrid and Barcelona. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just briefly, is the whole Coutinho business, is that gone and forgotten now? No, it's just uh, I've always felt that Barcelona have used the Coutinho situation to their own uh, benefit. Uh, what I mean by that is right now they they keep saying they're going to put an offer for him, but it won't be a good enough offer because Liverpool are not selling. Liverpool have not put a price for him. Hmm. But guess what Barcelona is saying to the media here? They're saying... They put a price, it's 150 million. Oh my God, it's so expensive. Which is a way of saying, you know, we, we, won't, we won't get him. We won't get him, but it's not because of not trying. Actually, Liverpool are not selling. They haven't sold in the summer. They don't have intention of doing so now. The next summer is a different story, but right now they don't want to sell. Okay. Well, Barcelona looking good for the title as it stands without Coutinho in their ranks. Hey, speaking of titles, Guillaume, I don't know if you're aware, your fantastic book, Brave New World, Inside Pochettino's Spurs made a lot of people very happy, those people specifically being Arsenal fans, because since you published, the bottom has fallen out of Spurs' season. Why? I know, I know, I know. Well, we have to put an asterisk here and say, except they beat Liverpool 4-0, except oh, yeah. they beat Real Madrid. They drew at Real Madrid as well in that period. That's they beat true. Borussia Dortmund. They actually won three games in a row just, just last week. All right. But so take, take all that away. And it tells you everything you need to know about football, doesn't it? Uh, I got grown-ups, lawyers, uh, heads of the industry coming to me and says, you jinxed the Spurs season. Yeah. And it confirms that uh, as football fans, our brain stops growing at 12. And, uh, and that's what we are, just little kids. Excellent. Has Pochettino <laughs> discussed it with you? Yeah, yeah. We've spoken a lot about it because actually he's been asked, we've calculated already, he's been asked in six different press conference about it. Uh, <laughs> the last one was about uh, the, 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 that, the, you know, should, should, should the book have been published now? Because, of course, look at the season. Yeah. There's about 10 other reasons why Spurs are not doing well. All right. And it doesn't have to do with a book. Have you been commissioned to write a book on Pep Guardiola by anyone yet? I've already done that. And uh, since then, uh, he won things with Bayern Munich and is about to win the, uh, the, the league with Manchester City. So I don't think I'm, I don't really jinx him. You make a fair defence of yourself, Guillaume. Uh, many thanks for that. Brave New World Inside Pochettino Spurs is available everywhere and is, of course, the perfect Xmas gift for yourself or anyone you hold dear. Um, Guillaume, it's fabulous to talk to you. I don't want to keep you from your uh, Liga Ambassadors. So uh, have yourself on uh, Feliz Navidad and uh, hope to speak to you again soon. The same to you, James. 
Listeners, the transfer window is about to creak open once more and if you think your knowledge of the transfer market is more Big Sam than David Moyes, then you need to check out the football stock market, Football Index. Football Index is a new way to profit from your football knowledge and make money. Buy players, build a portfolio, earn dividends and sell at a profit. And unlike certain players and managers, you can keep those winnings away from the taxman entirely legitimately. Because you listen to the Totally Football Show, you can try Football Index and trade up to £1,000 for seven days completely risk-free. Just head to footballindex.co.uk, enter the promo code TOTALLY, and if you don't love Football Index, you'll get a full refund with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Download the app or play online at footballindex.co.uk and become a football trader today. T's and C's apply, you must be over 18, deposit required, and please trade responsibly. Um, I never got to use... My line there, uh, Barcelona 4-0 winners against Deportivo, beating Depor like a Trump tax plan. That was my <laughs> line there. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of books, though, Michael, your book's doing really well, I believe, no? Didn't didn't yeah. Simon Cooper, himself a noted author, uh, big it up? Yeah. yeah, he did. In the FT weekend. Uh, yeah. Michael, your book is called The Mixer. Yes, correct. Thank mm-hmm. you. To look at the the history of the Premier League through the tactical innovations that have characterised each season. Were you writing a chapter about this year? What would it be about? <laughs> well, about Manchester City, would obviously. It? Yes. Yeah, obviously. You're going to have to City. update it every year, Michael. Maybe five years' time or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Man City, who this weekend will be hosting Bournemouth, both involved in cup action midweek. Of course, Bournemouth getting beaten by Chelsea. City, uh, the full 120 minutes against Leicester. They do have the depth in some areas of the team, but not in the others, because I think, didn't Mangala not go off on 81 minutes in this game? And they, they, they really don't have a lot of cover back there, do they? Interesting. They might have to play uh, Fernandinho as centre-back, which uh, Pep tried very briefly against United and then changed his mind 15 minutes later. But against Bournemouth, I expect City will be in control and I wouldn't be too worried about having Fernandinho there. Although, I don't know if you remember when they met earlier on in the season, when they weren't really in control. It took a 90th-minute winner from Sterling to, to, to seal the points. Yeah, they weren't particularly convincing in that game, but it felt like a different City side. They were using this 3-5-2 formation I didn't like very much. Um, personally, I think Bournemouth will probably play into the hands of City hmm. you know you saw the way that they um, got beaten by Liverpool last weekend just felt very naive to let Liverpool counter-attack on them and uh, you know City can retain possession but they can also counter-attack really well so I think it'll be 3-4-0 personally Cherry's last two visits to the Etihad have finished Duncan? Uh, badly 4-0 and 5-1 that's right um, yeah. Eddie Howe obviously is English um, we're told. Uh, no English manager has won away at City in the Premier League uh, since May 2010. So that's quite a long time. Who was that? Harry Redknapp, yeah. With um, a crouch goal. Yeah. Uh, and City are on 97 Premier League goals. I know Michael hates calendar year stats, and possibly <laughs> rightly so, but they're on 97 this year. And I don't think a team has scored 100 in the league in a calendar year since Liverpool in 1982. That's so a long time. That is a long time. And um, yeah, City, yeah, shock are good. Hmm. Well, yeah, they are, aren't they? Um, they're, they're keeping up to busy, aren't they? Because they're they're rewriting their, the the record books. Yeah, they keep breaking records. Obviously, you know, the consecutive wins one was uh, slightly annoyed me that people massively celebrated when they got to thirteen, and then again at fourteen, and then it kind of you know popped the balloon a little bit for for fifteen mm. um, and subsequent ones. So yeah, they're uh, what are they on now? Sixteen, yeah. Yeah. So this would be seventeen if they. 
Yeah, I think did Guardiola do 19? Yeah, 19 yeah. in Bayern. with Bayern. So and 20 course, is the target. The good thing about doing 19 with Bayern was that it meant they played everyone during that time. Whereas in the Premier League, as we've discussed, you don't necessarily get everyone. Boo. Uh, also at three o'clock on Saturday, West Ham are hosting Newcastle. West Ham, who you will recall, have beaten Chelsea, drawn with Arsenal and uh, thoroughly thumped Stoke in their last three games, keeping three clean sheets in the process. I can manage anyone in the world, says David Moyes this week, presumably as long as they're not called Man United or Sunderland, said everybody else in response. Uh, that was a genuine quote from the Moyesire. Yeah, he's come out with some belters since he's been at West Ham. Hmm. There was the one that there is nobody in my team capable of marking Eden Hazard. But to be honest, they, they did well. They, hmm. you know, they won that game. Maybe he was just meaning on an individual basis. And now there's this one. Hmm. Well, the Newcastle side that arrives at the London Stadium is fresh from eight to beat since its last nine. Won't feature John Joe Shelby. Will West Ham have Andy Carroll up against his former side? Maybe he hasn't been starting too much recently. Lanzini's out suspended, though, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, whether that would mean Carroll coming in, I'm not sure. A I, bit I think of a he probably. Rejig. But I don't think he will start. To be honest, I think mm. West Ham have got a good solid structure, and Moyes probably won't want to change that too much. Okay. And Altovic is coming back into form. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly did the the crossed arms uh, uh, Stoke a bit early. Um, Do you think too soon? Well, I mean, he hasn't been playing that well. Um, mm. But he did wind up Mark Hughes quite well. Yeah. So that was delicious. What was it? That he, was Hughes just telling him to get off the field because he was taking too long? Or was there something else there from, from last season? <laughs> Possibly that, I think. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a, a feisty bit of the game, which is always good. I enjoyed it. I must admit, I thought, you know, fair enough, the fans are having a go. He, he gives them the, the, the kind of hammers gesture. But, yeah. Interesting. Uh, that's West Ham Newcastle. Uh, Michael, are you more excited, or James, uh, uh, Duncan, uh, by uh, Burnley taking on Spurs? And this is the tea time game on Saturday. Who would have thought that Burnley would have been going into Christmas one point one place above Spurs in the league, Duncan? And I bet looking at XG back at the start of the season, the way you did with Crystal Palace, wouldn't have given you the glimmer of any suggestion about that. No, even now, Burnley are the XG killers because they've got the lowest XG of any team in the Premier League this season. Wow. Um, and yet they're they, they the bottom of the table for XG. They are. Um, I think this is the first time Tottenham have gone into a league fixture against Burnley below them in the league since April 1975. Really? 1975? Yeah. Um, shortly before the uh, launch of Jim will fix it. <laughs> just to put things in perspective. Yeah. Wow. wow. Uh, Tarkovsky, I've just heard there's a little bit of breaking news for you. Just been handed a three-game ban. That'll hurt them because they. I think they've got one or two other injury issues at the back. Have they not? Burnley. I'm not sure. Is Ward fit again? Not sure. Uh, what surprises right. me about Burnley? Oh yeah. Uh, very much out of keeping with what you'd expect from a side like them, is that they've scored the fewest set-piece goals in the league. Ah. You'd think Burnley don't have much possession, bit old school, up and at them, but they just don't score from set pieces. They don't score much at all. That is true. I mean, they've got 16 goals and 32 points, which my excellent maths tells me is, is two points per goal, which is a re- would be a record in top flight history. Would it? Mm-hmm. Huh. It was 1-1 at Wembley uh, with, with Wood scoring the, uh, the equaliser in the 90th minute. Are they going to win this game? Are they at Turf Moor against Spurs? Burnley? Yes. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game. I think it'll be it'll be 1-0. I'm not entirely sure who I'm going to call it for. I think Spurs, to be fair, have been very poor away from home in the last five games. They're without a win in that time, which wow. has got to improve. 
It certainly has. It seems like there's a lot of teams this season where they have a very good home record or very good away record rather than it being balanced between the two. Mm. It's peculiar. I think City um, are the outlier in that sense. <laughs> that is true, yeah. yeah. Mm. Man United, how are they on the road? Because they, they, they've got to make a trip to King Powerland this weekend. Mm. Uh, Foxes had a bad week, to be fair, because they got done 3-0 by Palace. I didn't think they were that bad in that game, just not quite woke, okay. really. But then they got knocked out on penalties by Man City, which can happen. Yeah. Technically, they didn't lose that game, of course. Yeah, I think 120 minutes in midweek will um, be difficult for Leicester. But they are one of only three teams not to get beaten by Man City this, this season, then. Wolves, them and Everton. Yep. And Shakhtar. Four, four teams. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, to be honest, I, I quite fancy Leicester to yeah. do something here. I quite like Mares in this kind of central drifting role behind Vardy if he plays there this weekend. And, Mare uh, tends to do well against Man United, I yeah. think. Is that right, Duncan? Yeah, he does. I mean, United are not that good. I mean, they've been papering over the cracks, I think. The Arsenal game was a good example. But, you know, without De Gea in midweek, they lost to Bristol City. Yeah. Um, even with De Gea back, you could see them easily uh, you know, losing to Leicester. Well, we didn't talk too much about Man United and, and the team selection. There were 10 changes from the weekend. Of course, one of those was very much a positive one with Pogba coming back, who hadn't been available before uh, Wednesday's game at, at, at Ashton Gate. And he'll be presumably fit for this one here. But De Gea, with De Gea in goal instead of Romero... Mm. Yeah, maybe a different maybe. story. I mean, mm. if you look at who's made the most saves, it's yes. quite a rudimentary thing, but should kind of give you a rough guide to busiest goalkeepers. Um, top is Fabianski for the for the bottom club. Not not surprising. Second is De Gea, who's playing for the second place team. So that would suggest. I mean, the XG would. Uh, I mean, looks like De Gea's basically saves an additional twelve goals to what you'd expect, which is just way, way more than any other goalkeeper in the league. Where would where would Man United be with those goals conceded? Well, probably around where Leicester are. So okay. hence it could be a good match. Although you are allowed to sign a good keeper is part of well, football. Well yeah, this is the yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean obviously having a good keeper is an integral part of football. But if you're relying on him massively, which United are, then that suggests that possibly there are issues elsewhere. Right. Now we're gonna take a slight pause from the Premier League and after this we'll be discussing the return of Billy Bean. Billy Bean, how Mm -hmm. excited are you to see Billy Bean make his triumphant entrance into the world of English football, albeit in the Championship at Barnsley? Billy Bean is part of the Exotic Consortium, which has just taken over the Tykes, uh, featuring Mr Bean himself. Uh, Hi to you, Billy, if you're listening. Not sure if you've joined us on our new adventure. Uh, Chinese investor Qian Li and his new Barnsley co-chairman Paul Conway. That pair already have worked wonders at Nice, oh. uh, who they got into the Champions League qualifiers, but not actually the Champions League, at their first uh, attempt. Mm. Um, and uh, Nice actually have done pretty pretty well. They're up in sixth at the moment. Yeah, a lot of that's down to Super Mario. Mm. Super Mario Balotelli. Four wins in the last five. Is, is Super Mario back in form? Oh, 16 goals this season. Is he has 16 goals? Yeah, so ridiculous. Because he's been quite quiet, hasn't he? There hasn't been a lot of fuss and kerfuffle. Yeah, no, he says that he's found the kind of ideal club where there's no pressure on him, no kind of responsibility. Mm. But at the same time, he's he's discussing about maybe having one last crack at the big time and yeah. trying to go, trying to not engineer a, a big move. but Barnsley? Um, <laughs> Barnsley, yeah, possibly. Yeah, no, why not? I, I, yeah, he's on, he's been on the front page of the Gazette, having said there's not been much news the last couple of days. And there was a quote yesterday where he, somebody suggested to him about a return to Milan, who mm. were 
obviously could do with a bit of help. And he said, no, frankly, I love Milan, but I'm sick of being first hailed as the, the saviour and then used as a scapegoat for all the problems, which is pretty much... I know that's his version of events, but that is largely how things tend to go for him when, he, when, when he's been at the Rossoneri. Uh, in, anyway, Barnsley is tremendously exciting. They are 20th in the Championship, have lost five of the past seven games, uh, but uh, no doubt Mr Bean, who can't get enough of football... Soccer, in his words. But anyway, Billy Bean definitely, according to what I read, is part of this consortium that is in at Barnsley. Woof. Uh, ooh, speaking of League 1... Can't wait for the film about Barnsley. Well, for sure. Great film, by the way, if you've not seen Moneyball. Like, have you seen that, Michael? I did, I think I saw with Duncan. Did enough. you watch it yeah. together? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Of course, it would have a special appeal to you, this story of stance nerds who overcome the kind of all game. Yeah, Ex- experts. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jonah Hill in that, and um, Brad Pitt chewing things. Did you review that on your? No, I, that was way was before, before I, I became yeah. a film critic. Yeah, yeah. Of course, everyone's a critic now, aren't they? <laughs> hey, sorry, I was talking about League. Uh, Adam James says, "Can Cavani's heel flick from last night get some love, please? The power generated is amazing." Yeah, absolutely. Mbappe. His role in that goal was pretty amazing too. This is uh, PSG playing against Caen midweek, uh, maintaining their 11-point margin. <laughs> what a one-sided league that... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, so... Um, 11 points is very 2017, isn't it? It's it Bayern, is. it's PSG, Are they 11 as well? Yeah, they are, aren't they? City, yeah. So. Wow. Anyway, so Mbappe completely burns off. I'm not sure who the Caen uh, left-back is, but he can't keep up in in any real sense, and, and Bappi just blows past him and then puts it in for um, for uh, Cavani. Have you seen this? Yeah. Who, who yeah. absolutely wallops it with his heel. Yeah, there's been some great kind of back heel through the legs goals over the years, but uh, like the questioner says, I've never seen the, the power. Mm. The, I don't really know how you even do that. You just must have to make a really good connection because he can't get any backswing. The, the pass to him was relatively well hit, but it wasn't fizzed in. So yeah, how he, how he put that in the the top of the net, I've no idea. Can't be good for your knees, though. Do yeah. you think? Well, you're going to have to, like, hook your, your right leg behind you. You so. just swing your leg backwards, surely. Well, I think he has to, like, pull it behind his left leg. I think it's more twisty, isn't it? Mm. Risky. OK. Uh, anyway, so that was that. Uh, that was a full round of uh, Ligue 1 fixtures midweek. In Germany and Italy, they were playing cup games. As usual, in Germany... Uh, Borussia Dortmund met Bayern Munich and, as usual, got put out of the Pokal by Bayern Munich. It's the fourth time in the last six seasons that Bayern have put Dortmund out. Uh, lovely uh, chip goal by uh, Thomas Müller. He's very much back in the lineup these days. Archie Rintut pointing out something else from the Pokal action. Did you see the Leverkusen coach Heiko Herlich in his side's 1-0 win against Mönchengladbach? Did you see this? No. Well, basically, he's standing on the sideline, and a player, one of the Munchen um, Gladbach players, comes by, chasing a, a ball or something, and brushes him. And Herlich does this sort of Rivaldo-esque shot by a man from the you know third floor of the book depository, tumble, uh, and then afterwards, people replay it to him, and he says, "Yeah, I'm sorry," but he essentially dived on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Utterly bizarre. I do like managers that do that, though. It's the same Diving. way when um, if you see a, a team. Uh, who've just scored or indeed missed a header and they hmm. go to replay the manager. The manager always does the, ah, you right. know. They well, just, well, that's different, they, though. They feel like they're part of the action. Yeah. They want to kind of, they can't 
work out that they're they're involved, but they're separate. You know oh, so I mean? you think that's what it was? It was the player in him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That was still, yeah. what about yeah. headbutting David Mailer? Good, bad. Hard. Yeah, that was that was or, good. Or Van Hal simulating that dive. That was good. Yeah, that, yeah, that was that good. Was the Pardew good. thing was great because I loved his explanation. Uh, yeah, I've, I've moved my head I've a bit towards him. Towards him, and it's made contact. <laughs> but yeah, that is essentially what happened. <laughs> Italy. Who wants to hear about the Coppa Italia quarterfinals? Oh, it's a surprise because Roma went out to Torino. Uh, and they have to go to Turin on Saturday to play against Dude. Juventus. Wow, what a huge game. Yeah. Juve didn't go out. They booked their place in the quarterfinals where they're going to be taking on Torino, who put Roma out. Juve beating Genoa, which saw the return of Pepito Rossi. Yeah, it did, who signed for, for Genoa and came on in that game. And it also saw the return of Paolo Dybala. Yeah, Dybala also got back on the score sheet for the first time, I think, in more than 400 minutes or so. Very much the uh, centre of a lot of speculation over the last what fortnight or so because he's been dropped from their last two games mm. and uh, big games as well, like uh, in the uh, Derby d'Italia uh, against Inter. Um, and yeah, people like Pavel Nedved, the vice president of Juventus, criticising Dybala, saying he needs to sort out his private life. Um, oh, what's he been up to? Well, I think Nedved is, has basically put his professionalism in, into doubt, but Nedved is someone who lived a kind of monastic life and judging anyone by his standards is a bit harsh, but apparently uh, Dybala chose to go on holiday um, outside of Italy on the couple of rest days that he got given by Massimiliano Allegri, um, which uh, Nedved did not like. There's been talk about uh, Dybala also changing his agents in this dispute about uh, his midge rights and basically who's boots he's going to wear and there's just sort of uh, claims that legal action's been taken against him his brother's now looking after him and his brother took a trip to Paris where there has been a lot of talk about Paris Saint-Germain being interested in Paolo Dybala although on the quite um, let's say it'd be like almost science fiction to think that Neymar would be already on his way and they were looking out for uh, for someone to replace him already, I think that's I, quite a stretch. I don't. If I was Paris Saint Germain, I'd certainly want a plan B in case at the end of the a season in France, Neymar goes, "Yeah, mm. I'm going to go to Real Madrid." Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Juve, as you say, on Saturday in Turin are taking on Roma. Now it's ever so tight. Unlike Germany, France, and the Premier League, it is ever so tight. Napoli, Juve into the top three, separated by only two points, but Roma who are four points off the top, have a game in hand. So they do have to be surely considered in this whole title mix. Zadumboy says, seems a lot of pundits are overlooking them. Maybe they're not scoring a lot of goals, but they are very solid at the back. Do you think Roma can beat Juve? What do you think, James? I do, because I, I think they have um, impressed in big games this year, um, particularly in the Champions League. You think of that performance against Chelsea, which was one of the best I think we've seen from... Uh, from Roma certainly in many, many a year and um, they have an ability to press the life out of opponents. I think that's one of the reasons why they uh, rotated their side heavily in the Coppa Italia mm. and they made 10 changes. Schick the coming weekend. back in and scoring as well. Schick scored, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that, that it was disappointing for Roma to go out the Coppa Italia because they were saying like one 
way they could improve upon last year, where they had their best year ever statistically, was to actually win something. Mm. And you'd think that Coppa Italia is probably the most winnable competition. Certainly um, for Roma. I mean, they've, they've made it theirs. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this should be a very competitive game, although what we've seen from Juve over the last, what, three weeks or so is they've mm. really come back into form. They're keeping clean sheets. Six game, six clean sheets in a row now. Yes. But uh, I suppose Roma's counter to that would be, if you leave aside um, the Coppa Italia game in midweek, they've actually become more and more like Juventus in that they have the best defence in the league. They're very solid. Their goalkeeper, Alisson, is somehow keeping Edison out of uh, out of the Brazil uh, first team. And they've actually had three games where they haven't even conceded a shot on target role. No way. They've been that good um, at, uh, at stopping their opponents. So if they can just get things going in attack, because that's where the major difference really is between them and uh, and the other title contenders, then you're looking at them and you think, yeah, they are they are for real. But they've never won at the Juventus Stadium, Jimbo. Never? never? Never. They've lost, what, seven there? So, yeah. So they've got to get over that. Wow. Saturday night. All right, then. Loads more to come. I say loads more. Actually, not that much to come. What's still to come, Michael? Well, we've got some great questions from listeners. We've got Brighton Watford. We've got my big question of the week, which is who's going to score a Premier League goal first, Tom Ince or Saida Barahino? <laughs> Could be waiting for the answer for that for a while. And other stuff. It's all coming up after this, Duncan. Listeners to Footballing Podcasts will know that there's enough tough decisions to make these days without having to worry about which razor to use. So why don't you take the hassle out of your shaving routine by signing up with our pals Cornerstone. Never run out of blades, never need to shop again. Just let them know how often you shave and they'll take care of the rest. Get £10 off your first order and find out more about your perfect shave box at cornerstone.co.uk slash totally. Duncan, let's start this final part of the penultimate Totally Football Show of 2017 with a big question. It comes from Paul, who says, what was your favourite and least favourite footballing moment of 2017? Uh, I think my favourite was the Arsenal-Cologne game in the Europa League because the the kind of... The language around this mythical army of Cologne fans oh, have basically yeah. taken over London, <laughs> according to some reports. Um, and then you watch the game, and yeah, there were a lot of Cologne fans there, but they were just having a nice time right. enjoying their team you know, back in the big time. So hmm. um, there was quite a disconnect there between some of the reporting and what actually happened. Uh, I quite enjoyed Troy Deeney going a bit mad this autumn, you know, winding people up, pulling Jarland's face off um, at different points. Right. So it, I always feel like Deeney, the, the safer Watford look in the league table the more he feels he has a license to to do you know different things so uh, i mean they're slowly falling down so pre- presumably become a bit more professional now right uh, not for four games though because he's, he's true. suspended true. maybe he'll be thinking about that over christmas mm. 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 michael what about your favorite memories of 2017 uh my favorite footballing moment is uh apologies a little bit self-indulgent um but when i'm working a weekend i go and watch my local team kingstonian oh nice and on the first day of the season we were drawn away at uh billericay mm-hmm. and billericay are kind of you know the psg of the bostic league been taken over by this multi-millionaire they've got uh, Paul Konjeski and Jamie O'Hara and Jermaine Pennant and we went there with this team you know, it was the first day of the season we didn't know most of these players we had like a teacher at left back up against Jermaine Pennant we got absolutely battered did you give him a lesson well we got absolutely <laughs> battered for about 88 minutes but somehow kept the score at 0-0 right and then uh, we went downfield 89 minutes and 57 seconds and scored the winner in the last minute brilliant and uh, it was great it was also great because uh, Billericay's uh, owner Glenn Tamplin um, had sacked 
their manager and taken over himself and then their manager was now managing Kingstonian no so way. he went back to Billericay and inflicted this oh, that's defeat brilliant. which I think is still the only time they've lost in the league this season they might have lost one recently but after that they won 15 in a row so of course no great. one would have been better placed to exploit the weaknesses of Billericay than the man who'd been in charge of them up until you know yeah, Short exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Billericay are going very well. They're going to win the league, but uh, it was nice to inflict that defeat on them. Right. And you can see certain Mr. M. Cox celebrating behind the goal, can't you? You can, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. James, what's your football favourite thing? <laughs> favourite memory would be Pointless Benevento getting their first point ah, of the season in yeah. stoppage time yeah. with an equaliser from their goalkeeper against AC Milan, Alberto yep. Brignoli, and low point would be uh, Jean-Pierre Ventura messing it up oh. by not... Uh, Bringing on Lorenzo Insigne against uh, against Sweden and Italy not going to the World Cup because of him. Because of him. Because of him. Duncan, what's your low point? Uh, possibly the some of the reaction to XG, I reckon. Really? Know. But it, you know, it's essentially there to. Is kind that of... like a a child that you've sent out in the world and? and you... Yeah, we <laughs> grew him and pushed him out in June and said, "Go on, son." So he's getting can do. bullied. Well, a little bit bullied, I think. You know the the Arsenal uh, Man United game when you know Arsenal had all those shots on target and De Gea made all those saves was mm. was good because it you know it was almost like people were saying, well Arsenal should have won this game if you know if only there was a way of showing. Before XG, there would have been no way to understand that game in which a goalkeeper performed really well and kept the other team out. Not with an exact number. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Jeff. <laughs> Michael, what was your low point? Um, I struggled to find a low point. There was a slight frustration in the fact that the two European finals, uh, Manchester United's win over Ajax and then yeah. Real Madrid's win over Juventus, uh, the crucial goal to go ahead both came with like a really fortunate deflection. Mm. And I just think it's a bit of a shame when your massive showpiece games are settled by a moment of luck. I mean, Man United and Real Madrid were the two better teams in those games, but uh, it would have been nice if we had more of a, you know, if Mandzukic's goal was the winner. That right. would have been much more yeah. exciting. Right. I'm, I'm keeping my high point and low point of 2017 back until we've seen Brighton, Watford, Saints, Huddersfield <laughs> and Stoke, West Brom, because I feel sure that both both categories will be filled by those fixtures. Um, Simon King says, this might have been done before, but who would be football's Kevin Bacon, i.e. which player can every other footballer be linked to in the fewer steps? I'm not sure about every other player, Simon. That sounds like a big shout. But as you say, bit of fun before Xmas, perhaps. Off the top of your head, Duncan. Uh, Nico Crankshaw. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good shout. <laughs> Craig Bellamy is another one, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's had a lot of clubs, some of which he used on... Uh, John Arnorisa. John Arnorisa. <laughs> there you go. Now, Brighton are playing Watford. Hornets picked up one point from the last 15 available. Seagulls have picked up two. Hey, here's oh. a stat about Marco Silva. Uh, he started with 21 points from 13 games. He's now picked up a one point from the last five, which might sound familiar, Hull's James Horncastle, <laughs> to Hull fans, because there he got 17 points from the first 11, and then it was followed by four points from seven. But, yeah, so this is something that we've seen before, and also we've seen from other Watford managers in the second half of the, the season. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Watford's chances at Brighton, with Troy Deeney starting a four-game ban for excessive testosterone, <laughs> Ziegler completing a three-match suspension, Ducore is also out, perhaps most worryingly of all, for a fifth yellow. Yeah, Ducore is a, a huge miss for them because basically everything, uh, I think, goes through him. I think there's a quite remarkable stat about that. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's played every single minute so far. So okay. that, that'll end. He's a top goal scorer. 
Mm -hmm. He's made uh, 17% of their successful passes. He's made more interceptions than any other Watford player. Really? And he's covered the most ground. So my hunch is they're going to miss him. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it could be a a good opportunity for Brighton to get a rare victory. Saints are taking on Huddersfield. It's a long trip for Terriers fans. 472 miles the round trip uh, to Southampton. And defender Matas Jorgensen has offered to buy every single Huddersfield Town fan who travels to uh, St Mary's a Christmas drink. That's a nice for him, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not sure how they collect on that. I've not seen a defender. I mean, Leicester used to do that all the time. Did they? they? Well, yeah. I mean, when particularly in a title-winning season, the owners would... They get everyone donuts and, and, and yeah. Budweiser. Yeah, that's yeah. But I've never seen a player do it. That's good. A Jorgensen, age 27, who is known as Zanka, wrote on Twitter... I hope you like the gift. Zanka Claus is coming to town. <laughs> this is such a great move by a player because he will now be immune from criticism for anything for the rest of the season. Like five own goals. Yeah, but he bought all those drinks at Southampton. So it, it's it's just a PR move and I respect it. Excellent. <laughs> it was nil-nil when they uh, met last time. Uh, I, the question then, Tom Ince, he's had 43 shots so far this Premier League season. No goals. Duncan, you're all over numbers. Mm, all over them. How, how, how much of a... How extreme is that? That is extreme. Um, he has now uh, taken over from Benteke as the player with the highest XG this season who hasn't scored. OK. So, uh, yeah. But that would suggest, you know, he's going to score at some point. Right. It he just needs one to go in off his bum or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another player who similarly needs to be aided... In his quest to find the back of the net is Saido Barahino, who hasn't scored, I don't know how many shots he's had, but he hasn't scored since he got the winner in a 3-2 victory over Palace in February 2016. We're coming up on two years. This weekend, Barahino is, of course, facing his former club as Stoke take on West Brom. The memories of Pulis Classico. Exactly. Stoke have the worst defence in the league, but West Brom have only scored once since Alan Pardew took over. Another example there of... Will to live, can you close the door on your way out? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Michael, what were you saying? I know, just another example there of a manager who's come in and improved the defence but is having problems improving the attack. Right. There you go. Those three games then, as I say, I think will feature the greatest and worst moments of 2017. So we'll discuss uh, what they are, of course, next Monday. No, we won't. Monday's only Christmas, isn't it? Mm. (laughs) Silly me. Now, we'll be back on Thursday, listeners, to discuss... Everything that happens in the interim, and there's going to be plenty of it. Before we wrap up today, though, here comes the odds from Paddy Power with Ian McIntosh. Thanks, James. I'm joined, as always, by Mr Paddy Power. How are you, Paddy? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. All good. Excellent stuff. We're playing Hotshot Jackpots today. Now, that's the app that's completely free. All you need to do is just pick the first goal scorers in six Premier League games. Uh, the one condition, of course, being that you need to be at least 18 years old to play. The jackpot stands at half a million quid and is rising. Um, so let's have a look at these games. First up is Manchester City, Bournemouth. I mean, you could pick anyone, couldn't you? Kevin De Bruyne? City are going to be like um, pretty much unbackable to win this. Bournemouth hovering and just at the wrong end of the table. City Im- imperious. And I just noticed recently they've been talking about Kevin De Bruyne is going to be poached by Barcelona or Real Madrid or something. But the reality is, like, why would you leave City? I mean, City looked like they could be the dominant force in Europe along with PSG. But uh, anyway, sorry, I'm I'm diver- or going no, off the tangent. No. He's six to one. <laughs> six, six to, to one, one to score man. the first goal. And I could not disagree with you because he is just brilliant. 
Southampton, Huddersfield. Now, stick with me on this. I know there's a lot of scorn for my predictions. Tom Ince, who has all the shots and no goals. What about a Christmas miracle and one of them goes in? Yeah, you could say he's either useless or he's due one to go in. You know what I mean? So I'm not sure which way which way to to, uh, to go with this one. But he's 11 to 1. So, you know, he's had so many shots kind of that, that haven't quite um, hit the back of the net that... Uh, Maybe this would be as the early crescent, but I'm not going to disagree with you. Because one of these days, you're going to be right. Well, it's got to happen at some point. I'm less sure about the next one, though. West Ham, Newcastle, the immutable law of the X. Andy Carroll to score? I could see this. I really could, because uh, Newcastle have been disappointing so far. Maybe they've got they've got something in them that they will they will have a run of form, but West Ham seem to have turned a little corner. But Carroll's 9-2 anyway, so uh, so yeah, sure, why not? Back, uh, back where it all began. Uh, Swansea, now without a manager, of course, against Crystal Palace, um, who certainly figured out how to score goals away last week. Wilfred Zahar seems a safe one, doesn't it? Uh, it does seem a safe enough one. He's 11-2, so he's towards the top of the market. But I'd just be wondering whether the lack of manager will be a good thing for Swansea. Uh, I'm just not sure, but Zaha's 11-2 anyway, so he's one of the one of the favourites to score first, so why not? Uh, Leicester <laughs> against Manchester United. Manchester United hoping to bounce back from that catastrophe in Bristol uh, last night. Uh, Romelu Lukaku? Yeah, he's only 7-2, he's only and uh, I definitely I wouldn't be going for Lukaku, to be honest with you. I think Vardy could be the man. Sure, why not? Like, I mean, he could he could be the one to carry to, to catch the the United slow, heavy legged defence. All right, now I've got a feeling about Burnley Spurs. I think Burnley are going to win this, and may as well go for Chris Wood. I th- I think you might be right because I think Spurs will have really they'll have to take a long hard look at themselves after the stuff they got from City, and maybe they're kind of going maybe we're not that good, you know, and uh, when they would have been thinking they're title contenders, and so they could be very vulnerable. And if that's the case, then Wood Wood could be the man. To, they could, he could chop Spurs. No, that's not going to work, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it was a noble effort. <laughs> noble yeah, effort. Yeah. You can download the free Hotshot Jackpot app now and find out these odds and more at paddypower.com. 18 plus only, begambleaware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. That brings us to the end of this Totally Football show. Duncan, anything you want to leave us with as we sail off towards an exciting weekend and indeed Christmas? Uh, Christmas, bring back Christmas Day fixtures for me. Yeah. 1965 was the last one. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, Blackpool, Blackburn. And then the last one before that was uh, Blackburn, Blackpool. So uh, Really? Yeah. It was big big news in Lancashire. The Christmas it wasn't day a game. white Christmas. Yeah, good. Why? Because they're both black in the name. Oh, I see. see? D- don't look too hard for the, the meaning in James's <laughs> jokes. <laughs> hey, speaking of colours, actually, one final thing, and red being very much a seasonal colour. What is the stat about teams in red winning the league, Duncan? Well, historically they've been good. You know, yes. Arsenal, Liverpool's, Manchester United's. But we're now in the uh, the longest run without one since the late 50s, early 60s. Really? What's the dominant colour now? Uh, blue. Right. And I Chelsea, think it will re- Leicester, Man City. And I think it will remain blue in May next year. Right. I, it's, a, it's an interesting shout. It's a bold shout. A yeah. bold, definitely bold, yeah. Yeah. What colour has won the league the least? Well, it's been a long time since we had a striped winner. Really? Sunderland, probably? I don't know. Well, Blackburn, is that what, what would you call mm, that? That's Hars. a checkered, though, Hars, isn't it? Yeah. Hars, I mean, is it, right? You know, the two big stripes, I'd say. Nah. <laughs> OK, and... Um, Just on the subject of um, shirt colours, kit uh-huh. colours, did you hear the great line from David Pleat on uh, Five Live yesterday? I, I saw it reported. Yeah. There was, uh, there was a 
pitch invasion at the end of Bristol City, Manchester United, there was concern that some United fans were getting on the pitch and there was going to be a fight. And David Pleat pipes up with, well, both sets of fans are wearing red and white, so people won't know who to hit, which I thought was... Just, <laughs> yeah, it's practical, just isn't lovely, it? Yeah. such a yeah. quaint way of looking at How things. How innocent. Mm. All right, excellent. Michael, Duncan, James, thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. Have yourselves a great weekend, whatever kind of festivities you're going to be enjoying. We will return on Thursday, so do make sure you join us then. For now, this has been The Totally Football Show. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. <laughs>